You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, our special guest today is a personal fave, Dr. Robert Blaylock, who's been a practicing veterinarian for almost 30 years and who also is the father of my children. Yay! Welcome, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Thanks. <laughs> so we want to talk today about kids and pets. We get a lot of questions about this in our line of work, you and me, Bob. Um, and there's this nostalgic vision of the iconic boy and his dog or a girl and her pony thing that we have going on in America. I don't know if this is from a Norman Rockwell creation or if that's mostly a Western concept. I don't know. Do other cultures have? Well, we just got back from El Salvador and nobody is like very uh, nostalgic <laughs> about their dogs. There's dogs running around everywhere yeah. trying to survive. That's true. A lot <laughs> so of I think it might just be a Western thing. <laughs> so a recent study from the pet food industry found that globally, Argentina uh, with 82%, Mexico with 81%, and Brazil with 76% have the highest rates of overall pet ownership. And they surveyed about 22 countries for that. Dogs are the most popular in all three. And the U.S. ranks fifth. I was surprised about that. Yeah. Because we're insane about our pets here. <laughs> we are. We're, we, like, the amount, do we know how much money we spend on pets, pets in this country? In it's like a lot of money. Billions. Yeah. And there are more pets in homes than children. That's in the U.S. Fact. Yeah. I didn't know that. Crazy. Also, we should have just ask your mom for dogs and get more listeners. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I would be terrible at that, though. I know. Terrible. Me too. We have some really strong opinions on this, don't we? <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> so that means three quarters of us have at least one pet, based on these numbers you're telling us. Right. With 50% owning dogs and 39% owning cats because over half of us have good sense. Okay, let's just dispel <laughs> the, the evil cat person trope right now because I, I, dogs are fine. They're fine, but they're not my favorite. I much prefer the cat personality. I know, I know. And I'm I told a very you, good person. If you get one more cat, I, you get the moniker. You get the moniker. Crazy cat lady. We only have one cat right now. I know, just but saying. how many did you have? We'll get into that later. <laughs> There's no need to bring that right up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> fine. Fine. <laughs> so what were your experiences, Renee, growing up with and raising kids with pets? Okay. So my personal experience as a child was my parents were not having an animal in the house. None ever? No. And so the dogs we had were outdoor dogs, which is not really like having a pet. Right. We lived out in the county. There were no leash laws. There were no fences. These dogs ran amok. <laughs> They'd come back covered in ticks, and yeah. they're dirty, and nobody wanted to play with them or pet them. Right. And Rusty, our cocker spaniel, got run over by a car. Well, Because that's... he's just running around. Sure. Yeah, so that was kind of sad. And then we didn't get another dog till my brother, who's eight years younger than me, they got a golden retriever. And then they did, like, the invisible fence and stuff for him. But really, he wasn't getting attention because he was outside, so he went to a farm. Uh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so it was not a real like there wasn't a lot of warm fuzzies i didn't hear that story before that's funny <laughs> i think it really Thanks. was a farm but I, I haven't confirmed that and i'm afraid to ask right <laughs> what about you we growing up did not have i was allowed to have hamsters one time which escaped constantly they always do we would let them free in my always house they got in the air vent one time and terrified me one night <gasps> oh they we had and we had one dog for a while in my childhood um in florida who was black with lots and lots of hair so the poor thing was constantly heat stroking because <laughs> it was so oh, hot, no. hot and then same oh, as no. you it was outside both basically and not a lot of people paid attention to it so eventually it went away mm -hmm. one day so when my dad got tired of taking care of it so that was our experience with in my childhood but then gosh since we've gotten married we've never not had a pet yeah, let's list the pets you've had, Bonnie. Can you list them <laughs> off for us? You list them, Bob. What are they? Well, we had two cats about a week after we got married. Yep. And then uh, as soon as we got a house, we got a dog uh, that lived for 16 years. And then 
We took a break from dogs for two or three years and then got another one that we've had for about eight years. And then along the way, we've added lots of interesting creatures, which is more your deal than mine, with donkeys and horses and bees and fish and all kinds of things. Chickens. We had a, we had a saltwater aquarium. Hedgehog. Guinea pig, hedgehog, several hamsters. Some had babies. Yeah. It was a whole menagerie. A little frog once. You had a frog. You had an Multiple aquarium frogs. full of fish. It was a cool we did. aquarium. Yeah. It's kind of ongoing. But now we're down to one cat and one dog and our donkeys. So, whew. And some chickens and bees. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, y'all really cut back. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. <laughs> and some praying mantises. Oh, oh yeah. I did hatch some praying mantises the other day. So they don't really count. But Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, so we heard all about everybody. We've, it's been all up in the news that tons of people got puppies during the pandemic, right? Including us. I know you crazy people. <laughs> Something like one in five families added a dog in 2020. Uh, in just our circle of people. Well, I can count probably 10 that got puppies probably. during that time. Yep. What have you seen about that at the clinic? Anything? Oh yeah. It's, it's been the, one of the busiest times in veterinary medicine it, in the 30 years I've been doing it. It's probably a once in a lifetime, uh, change to the whole pet world in the United States, at least because everyone got a dog. So like. why? Cause we were so sad. A combination of things. I think it was a combination of, uh, being stuck at home and people wanted, uh, a companionship when they're working from home and all those free money that the government sent us, uh, people went to pet stores and places and bought dogs with those, that free money. And so, um, I think it was a combination of several things, but yeah, for whatever reason, um, we're busier than we've ever been. It's wow. nice to hear of an industry actually yeah. benefiting in some way <laughs> from the pandemic instead of all of the terrible closures that you hear. So has that gone well? And now that it, we're kind of coming out of that, are people like second guessing like, uh Oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. I haven't seen too much of that. Uh, the mostly what I've seen is, um, some separation anxiety when people have to go back to work. Oh, cause so, they've been at home constantly. Yeah, so you get a puppy in, uh, 2020 and you stay at home and don't literally leave your house for a year. And the dog's never been away from you ever since it's been eight weeks old. And then you have to go back to work and the dog doesn't do so well. So that's very common. And I've had to uh, help a lot of people with oh, that. I didn't think about that. Hmm. Oh, poor doggies. Well, you know, that's funny you said that because I'm not a pet person in the house. We only got them because my husband and my kids wanted them. And I, I cannot stand the pet hair. I, I have an actual, like, I think I have, there's probably some word for it, Bobby, like <laughs> neuroses for like seeing pet hair on your furniture. I cannot stand it. So the long-haired dogs we got, we ended up giving to a rescue, and then we got schnauzers because they were short-haired. Mm -hmm. But they they were terrible temperament for someone like me who doesn't know what she's doing with dogs. You'd have to be a really firm, you know, knowledgeable owner, and so they just were like running amok, mm. crazy. And so when they died, you know, David, they died. It was an apocalypse in our house, I know. by the way. It was, so we, we, so, yeah, we can talk about it later. But when they died, I kind of just looked at my husband. And I thought, I don't think he's done with Having pets. Dogs. You know, I just think like, we're not done. And he's like, no, I can't do it again. And so I was secret, secretly texting Bobby mm -hmm. going like, what kind of dog would be good for us? I think we're not done. <laughs> and what I found was that um, with the right temperament dog, oh my goodness, she and I have bonded. So it was really, I got the dog for David. She's my, she's my dog. Oh, she loves me. She follows me around. David said when he, when she hears the garage door open and she knows I'm coming, she runs to the back door, races Aww, see? to see me. And it's like, I get the, I finally get it. I get why people have pets. Maybe that was why. Maybe that's our issue. I just haven't found the right dog. The yet. right dog for you. <laughs> it's, I really did say that was God's gift to me for enduring the schnauzers for 12 years. Ah, so was this little hazel, this little hazel doggy. Yep. We need to put a picture of her on our social yes, media. Yes, She's we so totally good. should. So well, I read a book recently about um, addiction of all things, and it said that getting a pet was mentioned as a way to manage a child's risk for substance abuse. But really what it was saying is that pets are one way to help kids and adults come to terms with stressors and trauma and that sort of thing. Um, what do you, do you have anything to add to that? Oh, I definitely think it's true. Uh, pets have been proven in study after study, plus just common sense tells you that they, they have tons of positive effects on people. Uh, they, they give you a routine. If you're not very structured, they make force you into a routine cause they like routine. If you're too 
gold, then they help uh, loosen you up a little bit because they are not as predictable as uh, a, a stuffed animal. Um, <laughs> and uh, so if, if, you, if you're blue and you uh, really crave more touch and attention and those things, they love to give that. Uh, and so uh, they really, every personality type uh, can, be, can benefit from, uh, from a pet. Okay. So is there something going on in your brain when you like when you're petting your dog, just like when a mom is like snuggling an infant or kissing her child? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, oxytocin is released and probably a lot of other things too. Heart rate's lowered, blood pressure's lowered, all, all kinds of physiological effects, uh, which probably go back to primal instincts and things. Um, but yeah, de- definitely. Uh, and dogs are dogs and cats and horses. I think ha- have kind of some unique bonds with people uh other animals can do it too but those particularly because they seem to understand you and and uh, look you in the eye and and you feel like you have a genuine connection with them and so i think those are the ones where you get the most health benefits when when there's a real uh, physical connection hmm. cool i don't think your cat ever looked me in the eye well that's because you were rude <laughs> to my cat <laughs> She would put her butt in my face. She knew that you did not like her. <laughs> she looks me in the eye, I'm just saying. Oh. So, well, yeah, that oxytocin thing um, increases eye contact, face memory, trust, and generosity. And it's supposed to be an antidote to aggression. So the closer the bond, the more of that oxytocin is released. And when you have that bond with your own animal, you get more oxytocin when you're petting your own dog than somebody else's. thought that was interesting, That too. is so interesting. Yeah. It's not just any dog. Although, you know, you hear um, therapy dogs go into nursing homes or children's hospitals, things like that. So they must have a yeah. And most benefit, most right? of those dogs have been screened to, to be the kind that instantly bond with anybody. They're like the extroverts of the dog world a lot of times. So they just love everybody immediately and completely. And so, and a lot of dogs are that way, but not every breed is that way. And so. So not any kind of dog. Like I can just take the random neighborhood dog and go to the nursing home and it'd be okay. I mean, a lot of them can be trained to do it, but yeah, you're looking for a certain personality type, one that loves every person that it meets and uh, that's very gentle and very predictable and, and has been well socialized to all different kinds of people and those kinds of things. Hmm. Okay. Which is an interesting thought because, um, you know, I you have so much experience with all different kinds of dogs and different kinds of animals you know, I only have my, what, my two childhood dogs and then like the three, four that we've had. David and I had a schnauzer when we first married. Mm-hmm. Um, so the five that we had, and there are distinct personalities to dogs <laughs> and to breeds too. And yeah. and like knowledge is power in that way and knowing like what's what would suit your family's personality or temperament or, or whatnot. And I... I I was just so unsuited <laughs> all the dogs in my life. Yeah. So there's breed trends, uh, and that can be a good starting point. So, you know, golden retrievers in general are, are friendlier and more outgoing and better with kids, but there are exceptions to that. And then there are other breeds that you don't think of as associated with that, but that might make each individual might be great. So you have to both kind of think about the general breed you might want, but then go and meet the individual dog, talk to the breeder or go to the pet store or wherever you are, the shelter and actually see the individual dog and talk to people who've been around the dog and see what its real personality is because uh, every, every dog is different and every dog is potentially a wonderful dog that they see that you see that all the time they train just these shelter dogs these mixed breeds to do all kinds of amazing things you know with drug dogs and everything else because any dog can have that in them you just have to find the right personality and give it the right kind of training and uh, then it can become uh you know uh, all these amazing things that dogs can do so many parallels to child I ra- was raising just thinking that. <laughs> yes we talk about that all the time kind of half jokingly that that you get a dog to train Mm-hmm. For having children prepare, which is kind of laughable. If you've had a dog and you've had a child, you know they're completely different. But in a lot of ways, they're not. Well, it, it forces you to get outside of yourself and not be totally selfish because the dog needs to get up sometimes in the middle of the night or early in the morning, or uh, it needs you need to be back home at a certain time to feed it or let it out. Or so it's 
or it needs to be walked. And so you have to get up and exercise when you'd rather sit on the couch. And so all those things are what kids, the kids demand all those things and more. Uh-huh. And so I do think it's good training to get you out of fo- self-focus into others focused uh, just by necessity. And it's usually pretty fun to do it too. So it's a, it's kind of a painless way to learn to be outward focused. <laughs> Children aren't fun. <laughs> no, I'm saying that it, 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 I'm talking about transition from singleness or even married life to, uh, to, expanding your family and and dogs and cats can be an expansion of your family yeah we're seeing that a lot with a a lot of young married couples right now like i think every single one of them in our small group except for one one hold out don't way to go houston and caitlin (laughs) (laughs) stay strong gotten a dog in the past year or so it's just funny to watch and you know they're right at that cusp of yeah maybe we'll start thinking about having children sometime so it's it's funny to watch how they're preparing the nest yeah it is really good practice. You're right. You're right. I think it is. So the book that you read, Bonnie, says that um, if you can't get your own dog because of allergies or it's going to add too much stress to the home or it's an expense. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about like count the cost yep. of the you know, dog ownership, add it yeah. into your budget. Mm-hmm. Don't just be surprised. I saw a um, statistic in some magazine the other day that the average cost, mm-hmm. lifetime cost for a dog is $22,000 and for a cat is $15,000. And I think that's honestly too low. Uh, from most of the people I see because one emergency visit these days, I just had a friend who took his dog to the emergency clinic this weekend. It was almost $5,000. And so uh, you have a couple of those in their lifetime and it's going to go above that. And so, yeah, I think you better budget, you know, um, you know, thousand to $2,000 a year time. You think about toys and food and vet care and all the things um, and you can find ways to cut that cost sometimes, but you better have a little emergency fund too for if they get sick or whatever unexpectedly or buy some insurance or something. Yeah, I was about to say there's pet insurance, which we have had at certain points in our lives, and it was great peace of mind. Right, right. And there's some uh, yeah. reasonably affordable plans that'll help out in, in crisis situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people don't think about that because it's so cute oh. and oh, can't we just get one? Or the kids have been on you and on you and on you can we get a dog can we get a dog you know or you see the um the cute little wrapped up box at christmas time and how cute is that to give your kid a puppy at christmas you hey know? we did it <laughs> i know see <laughs> we did it and you don't think about oh this this puppy is going to cost us it's a know. 15 to 20 year commitment uh yes. for most dogs and yes. so you're not just buying it because it's cute this moment it's a, it's it really is a part of your family. It's like adopting a child in some ways, and right. so it's a something you got to think about for a long time. And that's what we. I mean, we looked at it. We were fifty when we were looking at getting a puppy, and like we're going to be in our sixties, Lord willing. Yeah, you know, when by the time she yeah. passes, and so which I don't even want to think about. Yeah. It's so great, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it is a huge commitment. I think I saw I saw a, a time lapse like series of photos once of of a man and his dog oh those are so sweet and and how like they both are growing older together and you like you realize wow that is a decade or more of my life i'm committing to when i say yes to a dog all those subaru commercials with the dog are crazy during the super bowl right (laughs) well for the last few years they've been uh i always just want to change the word from subaru to to my clinic's name uh as an advertisement because they're all about the bond with uh, pets and that kind of magical bond and growing old together and all that yeah very sweet but if you can't get one there are ways around and you can still get your kids exposed to pets right which i think is really important one of our close friends lives down the road from us and the dad is allergic to all kinds of things so we often have the daughter when we're out of town come take care of all the farm and stuff like that and she loves it because they can only have they only have one kind of animal over there and she would have everything if she could so yeah so use your friends yeah find find ways to get volunteer to shelter or something like that even the pet store in college during finals when everybody was so stressed emma said some of her friends would just go to the pet store and hold puppies And pet them, get them out of their cages and stuff. They have, do that on college campuses now. They'll have actual puppy rooms and stuff during final week. Where yeah, people can come I can in see why it works. It's de-stress. very fun. It's very fun. <laughs> Who doesn't love a weak puppy? No, no. That's, that's, I think that's like the survival mechanism for it kittens and puppies it's like the cute who wants yeah <laughs> who, who wants to not help that it's so sweet same for children that's why they make them cute when they're little that's so true that's true because you're not in a good mental space at times <laughs> so pets when you have children in the house and you bring a pet into your house um there's tons of lessons i think that they can teach kids 
Um, for example, responsibility. <laughs> this was one of the big things that that's you hear. the thing you hear all the time. Yes, that the kids want a dog. Please, 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 please. We'll walk it. We'll feed it. We'll do everything. We promise. You'll never have to. You won't even know it's here. And the mom's like, I know good and well that is not the way it's just going to go yeah. down, right? Um, and that happened in our house. We got the dog. And we heard the stories. Oh, yes, yes. You'll never have to feed it. You'll never have to do anything. And then, like, the first time it needs to go out and it's raining. Uh, <laughs> mom. Uh-huh. Yeah, then it's uh-huh. mom's deal. Uh-huh. So what do you think about responsibility in pets? Oh, it's great. I used to speak to a lot of kindergarten and first grade uh, classes and things. And always just I would just start by asking them, what is it that every pet needs? And they had to come up with uh, all other basic needs. And so they need food and they need water and they need shelter. They need exercise and they need love and they need, you know, these basic things. And so it gets them thinking about those those kind of basic things that everyone needs. And so I think it's very educational to, to just think about what, what is required to really live life. And, and how do you, when you're responsible for another living being, what is it that they have to have? And so I think it I think it's a wonderful education in life in general for them. Uh, and, and they pick it up again without it being a burden or a, a hard lesson. It's just kind of a fun thing. But you, when you take care of a pet for a decade or more, then um, all those things kind of become second nature. And you, of course they need fresh water. And of course they need this and that. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about, I mean, we want to teach our kids to think of others all the time. And most children, unless they're old enough to babysit, don't have that opportunity um, to literally care for another being like you said. And I think that's a great training ground for like, if you don't feed this animal, it's not eating. You are responsible for its actual life. So you got to step up and, and, you know, think about that responsibility. Um, whether you're paying them for it or whatever. Did you, how did you do chores with pets? And your- <laughs> all right, kids, here we go with another story. <laughs> They're like, you always tell the story, all this family stories, but it, I mean, this is what I know. I raised you. So yeah, it was a problem. They were forgetting to take care of the the dogs and, and was so, that your deal when you got it oh yeah it was gonna be there it was their responsibility okay. and so we just made a family rule that you don't get to eat breakfast until the dog has eaten breakfast and if i find out you did eat breakfast and the dog's not been fed then you miss your next meal it just seemed like the logical consequence to me that you know you're gonna feel the hunger that that animal felt mm-hmm. they don't have their they don't have words and right. we didn't, our dogs were never big barkers. They didn't go hit their bowl with their paw. And they, that was a redeeming quality, actually. They just kind of silently. <laughs> they silently suffered. suffered. And yeah. so, yeah, the, there was no reminder except the internal reminder within the child. So that, that fixed that problem mm-hmm. fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, David and I, just having the dog ourselves, like, we will like need to communicate hey did you feed her before you left this morning (laughs) yes we did the same thing and the dog doesn't tell you that it's already been fed when it gets two or three dinners they'll act like they're like oh yay (laughs) that's right so so yeah i I mean and yes there were times i didn't do it well and i just did it you know instead of making them do it and so that was what my question for you bobby do you see a lot of young families who are who are like kind of fulfilling with the goals of responsibility that they think they're going to fulfill when they get a dog or do you end up seeing like the parents mostly because we have to bring them in the kids can't bring them in I I see both uh so some kids are very involved there's a but it's probably a minority honestly that want to come to the vet so I have a few kids who are very interested and they'll come from a young age and sit there quietly and ask intelligent questions about their pet and and be very involved and then others that don't care and and whatever so I see it all over the board sometimes the kids don't even like the pet and sometimes the kids it's their pet and and so I think everybody does it differently so that comes to the next phase of life for the pet as I know you see lots of families when it comes time for the pet to be for the end of life decisions and that's and when like, is the whole family comes masterful in. when we had our pet apocalypse I know, in August so our children moved out moved away like they moved across town Houston moved out Cheyenne moved out he'd been living with us and both dogs died first dog died of like other things going wrong the second dog had a heart condition but I think she died of a broken heart she just gave up after Baxter was gone and so Bobby was 
masterful. It was so terrible to to have to be there when they, you know, pass. Mm-hmm. And you were so good, Bobby. Like, it was like a shining, I hate to say a shining moment for you because it's so sad for people. But it's such <laughs> a comfort to have a really good vet, like, walk you through that um, process. And it's, it's a beautiful life lesson. I've never seen a human die. I realized that when I watched mm-hmm. our dogs die. Mm-hmm. Like we're so removed from death in yeah. our culture that it's not really so good for us, I don't think. It's not really seen. And then I think it's more traumatic or jarring or, yeah, when it happens if, you, if you're not familiar Which with it. Which is why I think I want to kill a chicken and then eat <laughs> it. Like if I would, I think I would waste less meat mm-hmm. if I see like, the cost what it becomes like what it yeah of what it's giving up Mm -hmm. for me or become a vegetarian or become a vegetarian (laughs) right i mean it might yeah who knows yeah but what do you like what do you see in terms of loss bobby and families uh yeah it's very important it's i think it really is one of the most important uh parts of their whole life is the ending of it and doing it well and so so many people um have get the dog when the kid is young and then the kid's off to college when the dog gets really sick. And, uh, and so I have almost, uh, every week I have people who are trying to help the dog to live long enough for the kid to get home from college so it can be there for the ending. And sometimes they can't. And, and, uh, so that's, that's a negotiation. Lots of people do. And, um, yeah, it is very important to, uh, include the kids. It's very important for everybody in the family to be on the same page. Uh, you don't want to force somebody before they're ready. Uh, and so all the family has to kind of come together and think about what the pet means and what, what they think about. It brings up all your deepest philosophies about what your thought about di- dying and what your thought about suffering and what your thought about, uh, life and its value and all these things. Uh, and it, it, it really brings families together in a very interesting way uh, in this kind of crisis moment. And so anything we can do to help them just to make that easier. So I'd never try to force anybody to do that. We just try to give them information on uh, how do you assess quality of life and how do you um, think about those things. And those lessons probably come in handy for them later in life too. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a yet another one of those ways that pets kind of mirror in a, in a shorter lifespan. They mirror our whole lifespan from, from when we're born to when we die. And we get to see that maybe in our lives three or four times um, throughout the course of our life, which probably in some ways prepares us for our own uh, getting old. And, and what do we think about that? And uh, in what ways do we try to alleviate suffering or pain or those kinds of things in our in our family members or ourselves? You think that's why God gave us animals? Oh yeah, I, one of the reasons. Uh, you know, it's 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 always been funny to me that God didn't give us our own day on cre- in creation. We got created with the animals on the same day. Even though we're supposed to be so high and mighty and the great uh, image bearers, He created animals on our same day. So apparently, they're pretty important. They're the community of living creatures, especially those that walk on the earth that we are naturally close to and naturally interdependent with, uh, I think it's deeply, deeply rooted in creation that God wanted us to, to learn lessons from them. And so I think they are our teachers. Uh, they obviously teach us a lot, but uh, I think God created the universe so that they would teach us a lot. Hmm. We, gosh, how many, how many animal funerals have we had at our house? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot of them. Um, Having cats and hamsters at the same time is not always the best mix. I'll just oh. say that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Poor little pork chop. <laughs> he, he did not end well. So, yeah, poor Ben had several hamster funerals, unexpected ones. And there was the one time that I, we, right before our date night, we had the babysitter come over and I had cleaned the fish tank, uh, our daughter's fish tank. And we went to the movie and then there was like a 911 call in the middle of the movie. Do you remember that? Yes. how could i forget i I killed the fish apparently and the dog my savannah was so upset that i'd killed the fish so yeah what what, um we have a space in our yard oh actually two different ones that we've kind of gone to where it's kind of the thing we do okay well here's another pet that's passed and we all go out and we bury him in the yard and all the things we kind of have our own little ceremony and way to deal with it your kids are probably really healthy in terms of life and death. And I think they, they, they have had to They would have it. Experienced, experienced it more. A right. lot more. Yeah. yeah. Than yeah. most kids. I think that's really, really good. And then to be, yeah, to know what his job is yes. and to know what he has to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did you have to do that with your kiddos? Not well. I, I mean, mean, they were in college. Like, they were, Emma was married. Houston's in college. So we had him say goodbye. Come mm-hmm. over and say goodbye. 
asked if they wanted to come with us. They said, no, David said he would go without me. And I said, no way am I letting you do that by yourself. Mm -hmm. Even though you're, you're the one who has the connection with the dogs. I never enjoyed them. I never liked them, but I don't (laughs) want to see any creatures suffering. Right. And there was such suffering going on including my husband's suffering. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm with you. I'm going with you. And this is something I need to experience as well. Realizing that I'd never seen Mm -hmm. someone at the very end of life close, but not the very end. And so, yeah, it was really, it was really good for us to do that together. And we just, we didn't want to send him back without us. Yeah. Um, But I will say that, um, that some people do not want to be present and I think that's perfectly okay. So just for anybody who's listening, uh, it's a very personal decision. I would never judge anybody. I think for some people it is better to say their goodbyes, you know, and if you trust your vet, uh, you know, we're going to be very compassionate and try to make the last moments very kind and very compassionate. And so whether you're there, you're not there. And so some people want to be there and it's very important for them. And some people don't want to be there and that's very important to them. And I think both are valid. And, uh, and so you just find what's right for you. And it's such a per death is such a personal thing that, uh, I never want to rush it. I never want to push people to do things they're not comfortable with. Uh, but I, I will ask people to, to think through things. So I try, if I have enough advance warning, I'll give them some things to think about ahead of time, uh, even to what will you do with the remains? Uh, will you bury them? Will you cremate them? Will you, what will you do? And, uh, and thinking through that whole process uh, sometimes takes a couple days. So, uh, so I have a lot of people who say, can you just, just make them comfortable for the next week so that I have time to say my goodbyes and all those things. And, and that, that really seems to help when people are not rushed. Yeah. I mean, I have a dear friend who's such a big dog person and her dogs, like they won the dog lottery. They lived their best lives <laughs> yeah. with her. And she said that she's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it and be there with them. But Oh my goodness. Yeah. She certainly cared for him to the very, very mm-hmm. end and gave him the best life possible. But yeah, because David was like insisting I'm going I'm like, well, you're not going by yourself. Like, we're one flesh here. So I'm, in, I'm with you, even though it's, like, hard and terrible. Um, but it wasn't as hard and terrible as I – because if you have a really good veterinarian, like Bobby. Right. Because they do help you. It, I mean, it looked like a little funeral room. It looked it, – it, it, it's got the low lighting and the sofa, and it's, like, just – it was just – it was good. Yeah, it they're very good, compassionate. Yeah. Very compassionate it about was. that. So we've talked – I – uh, I don't know, a few months ago, I talked to one of our friends who's, uh, they lost a pet and he was about five years old. And her question was like, how do I, it was big life questions. How do I talk to my child about death and grief and what, where the pet is now and all of that stuff? Are pets in heaven? I think so. Um, I love this question. Yeah. I mean, th- there's actually some serious theology about it and lots of serious theologians think yes. Uh, and so I choose to believe them. Uh, certainly some people don't think that, but I feel like there's such an important part of our families and our lives uh, and God redeems all of creation. We know that. And so I have no reason to think he wouldn't redeem and, and resurrect our pets as well. When they're so close to us. Yeah. Okay. So, so if we're on the theology rabbit trail, so to speak, I got a question for you. So, uh, before the flood were given, um, all the plants to eat all the fruit bearing trees and all that. And then after the flood, we're given the animals as food. And there's this weird verse in there that says like that an animal will be held accountable for the blood of humans if they, you know, kill us. And I'm like, what is going on? What do you think is going on there? Listen, we can cut this out if it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> if we're like, this is too weird. It's not helpful. But I, I want to know what you think. That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I think the whole creation was uh, harmed by the fall, including animals and everything. You know, the ground became harder to grow, grow crops in and animals. You know, the lion didn't lay down with the lamb anymore. And so I think there really was this sense in which everything got taken away from its its intended purpose. And, um, and so I... You know, throughout most of human history, including even up to now, really, you know, if a, a bear comes out of the woods and kills somebody in in the state park or in the national park, they're going to probably put the bear down. And that goes back to those ancient uh, biblical rules about uh, a life for a life. Um, and I th- I, so I think that that's true. When, when they became 
antagonistic with us, then uh, then there was a kind of accounting. I don't think it says a whole lot about their soul and all those things. I kind of think all dogs go to heaven, uh, personally. But um, but I do think it says that uh, it, there is this life for a life kind of thing. Plus, there's some practical things. You know, a lot of the Bible is very practical, mm -hmm. and it's just trying to set up a society that works. Mm -hmm. And so, if you have a rogue animal that's killing people, because in general, animals are too smart to do that. They know that's not the right thing. But when you have one that's rogue, then sometimes uh, you do have to do the hard thing and get rid of that animal for the protection of the community. And it's a life or death thing for the community, which is a lot of what the Bible's about, about how do we stay alive and how do we survive. And so I, that's my take on that. That's interesting. <laughs> Okay, that was a different. One. I wanted to ask that question so bad earlier, and I was like, "Oh no, don't do it." So no, thank you for that. Cool. Thank you for that. Okay, so some kids. I just was keeping a friend's kids last week, and she was the little girl. She's four. She was super scared of our dog, who's Hazel, who's the sweetest dog. And you know, she we had to put Hazel in her crate for a good portion of the morning, and then we just talked through it. And you know, I, I was like. What if I put her on the leash and I just keep her right beside me and and we said a prayer and ask God to give her courage and um, eventually she got down oh, she was sitting on my kitchen counter <laughs> so she was way above Hazel because I thought that would make her feel we have a really big island I thought it would make her feel safe and it did but she eventually got down and we were in the same room together and then eventually she walked over and eventually you know she touched Hazel and when I saw her yesterday so it's just a week later First thing she said to me was, remember when I was brave and petted your puppy? Uh, and so it was such a beautiful moment that, of overcoming. So I'm sure you see a lot of kids in your practice who had that um, kind of a fear of pets. Sure. You know, I, I do think it is a life lesson that all kids should learn. Not every family is an animal family, and not every person is an animal person. And that's okay. I love those people too. Um, but I do think, kind of like some other basics that your kids should learn, they should probably learn to not be deathly afraid of animals. And so what you did was a good thing to help that child to overcome that fear, because if their family is not an animal family, they may never get that opportunity. And so I think you should create opportunities for kids, even if you're not an animal family, so that they have a basic understanding of dogs and cats and can kind of read some basic body language and are not deathly afraid of them. I think that's a life skill every person should learn. And uh, so I have a kind of a skewed population that are my clients because they're all animal people. I mean, almost everyone who walks in my door, the whole family is in love with pets and they're animal people and the dog is sleeping on their bed and it's part of their family already. And so those kids don't have a chance you know they're just like they're gonna be dog people because they can't help it but um so they've already worked through a lot of that just by virtue of constant exposure but but i do think it's i certainly see kids in the rest of my life who are deathly afraid of animals don't understand animals it's just a foreign thing it's like learning to swim to me it's even if you don't love the water you should probably learn the basics of swimming so if you ever fall in the water you can deal with it so i that's think that's the same knowledge. way for pets yeah that's a good point yeah really good point so um okay so what are if you lots of people are listening to this who maybe aren't animal families or animal people what do they need to teach their kids about um how to approach a dog or a cat that they don't know or that it's in someone's home yeah you, you, well first they should ask the owner who's going to know the pet the best about about the animal and they shouldn't you should never just walk up to a strange animal and 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 uh, try to approach it, especially its face, because that's where the biting parts are. And uh, <laughs> you know, I see that a lot, like when we're out hiking or something, mm -hmm. and there's always people walking their dogs, and there's always people with kids, and it's right. a lot of kids are attracted to that, and they'll just run right. So out. you you Mom ask permission. Dad, don't say a thing about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you always ask permission, and sometimes they'll say no. You better not pet them, and you better respect that. But if you have a really friendly dog, and the owner says, "Yeah, he's really friendly with kids. He's good with kids," then usually you would want to touch them on their back. Not too far back. If you touch them way far back near their tail, sometimes that creates a, that makes them fearful. If you touch them too far on their head, then you have a chance of getting bitten. So touching them kind of on the back gently and making sure that the dog is good with you and you're good with it is a good place to start. And then you can work up from there. And if it, again, if you have a really nice dog and a really friendly dog, that helps because the dog's going to help do all the work for you. And if it's a if it's a dog that's not really into kids or whatever, then uh, then that might not be the one for you to learn on. <laughs> yeah. So there's like some other basic things. Don't approach a dog while they're eating. 
Uh, yeah. Don't try to take away a toy. Even a nice dog will sometimes have possessive aggression. Uh, now, if you're the dog owner, you should try to train your dog not to have that. But that's a different lesson. We're talking about what the kids should learn. So, yeah, in general, uh, just assume that even the nicest dog is not going to want you to to be around it when it's eating, uh, to get to approach its food bowl, and, and or to try to take a toy away from it, things like that. Yeah, cats are different. There are, you know, I always say cats fall into three categories. There's friendly cats and mean cats and scaredy cats. And um, <laughs> and so you're probably never going to see the scaredy cat, honestly, unless you live with it. Uh, and you certainly never pr pressure it. You, you let it come to you always. Uh, and then the mean cat you should just stay away from because they're dangerous. I mean, they're even dangerous for me. And so, uh, and so that leaves you... Uh, it's going to hiss. It's going to give you some kind of warning, probably. Will its tail be like... Yeah, the tails will twitch. Uh, hair might stand up. Uh, ears might go back. A lot of things. And so, in general, if in doubt, just don't. With a, Especially with cats. Because cats are more serious. They they don't really want to mess around. Um and, but if you find the friendly cat, then it's going to come up to you and it's going to be rubbing on your legs and it's going to... It's Bonnie is grinning. The silly <laughs> cat lady grin yeah. over here. And so, uh, so those are really good ones to learn. Uh, and, you know, sometimes um, you can, you know, you let them rub against you first. They're kind of petting you first. And then you kind of can kind of try to touch them a little bit. And, uh, and sometimes they'll jump up in your lap and then you can actually touch them a lot. But even those can have a limit. So cats kind of have a fuse. And and so you you don't want to push it. Uh, I've seen that happen many times. And so uh, you just kind of um, give it a few pets and then be done. And if it wants more, it'll it'll ask for more. But uh, but yeah, even the nicest cat uh, tends to wear out after time. They they uh, want you to leave them alone after a while. So so yeah, let the cat do most of the approaching. <laughs> and we had the opposite problem. Like Houston was such an animal person. He wasn't afraid of animals he was over eager and not reading these signs you're talking about with cats and got scratched, you mm -hmm. know, once. So it was, it, for us, it wasn't, wasn't coaxing him to interact. It was teaching him, Hey, they're giving you signals that they're done or they don't want you to touch. So it can go both ways. Yeah. It's a, that's, so cool to me because you're teaching what does body language mean yes with animals and humans what does what signals mean um things like that i think that's neat that animals can teach us that sort of thing too so helpful um all right so kind of like with empathy <laughs> mm -hmm. um so how do we choose you decide you've been a non-fam non-pet family for a while um and you decide you're going to get one how do you choose do we get a goldfish do we get a pony do we get a golden retriever or yeah a little kitten bonnie says go for the pony <laughs> absolutely i say go for the pony I, I think that's a thing where you can really have good conversations i mean logic really helps you here uh logic is not the end because so many people didn't walk in and see that animal and fall in love immediately but if you start with logic it's a good place because it's gonna go out the window eventually so if you'll start and set your parameters that way and think well, how much time do we have how much space do we have? How much time and space and uh, opportunity are we going to have um, five years from now or 10 years from now? you got to think about all those things. So a hamster is only a one and a half year commitment most of the time, and then they're going to be gone. And so uh, if you don't really have a lot of commitment, that's a pretty easy thing to start with. Uh, so is it better to start small with a kid? It depends on, I think it really depends on the family environment. Uh, you know, I, I've had clients that have 15 or 20 dogs and their their uh, kid had no choice i mean they're like you know all over the dogs from the day they're born and so they probably broke all the rules but it worked okay because they they're such animal people but yeah if you're kind of timid or you haven't had pets or a lot then starting small i think makes some logic logical sense but again you know your personality some people like to jump into the deep end of the pool some people like to stick their toe in so if you're a stick the toe in kind of person which i am then i'd probably start small okay okay so, all right, you settle on a dog. What kind of dog should you get if you have children? Well, well there's some general things, but there's no one breed. I see all, you know, I see hundreds of breeds of dogs, and uh, I think they all can make good pets. Uh, you know, some of the 
nicest, friendliest pets I have are pit bulls. Uh, they're in, they get such a bad rap, but they're wonderful dogs. Ninety nine percent of them are wonderful, and so I have lots of people with kids that have pit bulls, and they're perfectly fine. But if I I can't say that on your podcast and make everybody go get pit bulls, and then one of them gets bitten, so there's you have to use some judgment. You have to find the personality of the individual dog that is very uh, conducive. So. The general breeds, like golden retrievers and uh, a lot of the doodles now, uh, golden doodles and all that, a lot of those have really good personalities. That's one, thing, one reason they get so popular. So what's a, what's, well, you probably don't want to say what's not generally a good dog. Well, like maybe well, a, a guard dog type of dog. Yeah. So like German Shepherds are one of the coolest breeds on the planet, but they're not for everyone. They are very different than your happy-go-lucky golden retriever and they tend to bond to one person and they tend to be real skittish in strange situations and they require lots and lots of training border collies the same way i have a border collie and i love them but they are not for everyone they're too high energy uh and they're too high maintenance they need a job and they can become neurotic if they don't and so you have to think do i have two hours a day to spend with my dog and do i have several thousand dollars to train it uh, with a trainer because I, I would argue that 99% of German Shepherds need to go to a trainer even if you're really good with dogs uh, but if you do that might become the best dog you've ever had it's almost more like a human because they're so smart and all those things but in general if you haven't ever had a pet before that's probably not the dog for you that's kind of advanced pet ownership <laughs> uh, for most people so the the breeds that are smarter and have jobs and things are wonderful but they're not for everybody unless you're super committed and you have lots of time on your hands and you know i'm thinking back to like the training failures with our puppies that we got i was a mom of two small children i did not have How the bandwidth have? to to train them the way they needed to be and then they were not a pleasure for me they and and i realized in the end that's that was my fault that was not the dog's fault it was me not training the dog to do what it could do mm -hmm. was it was capable of doing and so um that's just something to really consider is is really count the cost of the amount of training that you're going to need to do with the dog and and when you do train them well like it is such a joy mm -hmm. they just that it it just like a, a well-trained child is a joy to be around they're a joy to be around I right I, that. I, I definitely think this is true is that that training means freedom uh, and it, just like with children, uh, it might seem cruel to make them sit or make them uh, stay in a cage or make them do whatever. But honestly, once they learn those basic things, uh, it gives them so much more freedom. When you can depend on them to sit down, uh, it's more safer for them. If you can tell them to sit and they always sit, it's going to be safer. It's going to be uh, better for their interactions with people and other animals and all kinds of things. And so they really do gain so much more freedom and more ability to be in your house and be free and all those things once they become obedient to your voice uh, and so it's very similar to parenting in that way and I was using all the things that we talk about sure and like blanket time for uh -huh. my preschoolers where they had to stay on the blanket for five minutes then 10 then 15 I do it with Hazel so when company comes over she calms down mm -hmm. she has her little freak out on her little mat and then she can be free to come and sniff the guests and enjoy I, them. Well, I think I was just going to say, I think that's an excellent point. If you're thinking in general of pets making you think of others, and we talked in our hospitality episode that how important hospitality is, how important it is to have a community, how important it is for your kids to learn to have people over, but not everyone loves your pet the way you love your pet. So that is a way to think about the preciousness of others is do you let your dog jump on everyone when they come into your house or do you let your cat jump in everybody's lap you know and just accept expect that they're going to accept that um is not the best thinking of others behavior as no, a pet owner I, I automatically assume everyone who comes to my house is not a dog person and that, that's my default and so that's why i make her stay on her mat with the other dogs that weren't trained we had to create them like there was no they wouldn't listen yeah and so it's so much better for the dog to have yeah. the, the freedom to sit out among us, calm herself down, yeah, and then sniff, but not be all over people. Not get interactions. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 
Go ahead. Well, just one other thing we ought to cover before we end is just so many people do get a pet before they have kids, and then they have to bring a baby into a house where there is already a dog. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, or a cat. And then what happens to the dog? He gets to be low man on the totem pole. <laughs> yeah. It does change, and so you have to be ready for that. And so there's a, a number of things. Um, one is do advanced training at make sure that your dog is well socialized to all different kinds of people, especially young kids and babies when possible, uh, being safe all the time. But um, so if they've seen lots of babies and all those things, then it's going to make it easier when you bring a baby home. I think that's a really great point because a lot of young couples don't have other friends with babies. Or so. us on our end of the season of life. We're not, I was realizing Hazel, as good as she is, as well socialized as she is at doggy daycare with all other dogs and we walk her in the park. She was not around small children. So mm. when I had my friend's children, ever, Hazel was all nervous and wagging her tail excessively. Yeah. Um, I realized, oh, wait, this is a gap in her There's socialization. There's such a different energy. You know that with children. They're totally they're touchy. Different. They're loud. They're running. And they're down there in their space. They're, yeah, they're small, right? Yeah. Their faces are closer to the mm -hmm. dog's face. Yeah, it's very so, different. So train them when they're young, if possible. Socialize them well when they're young and continue to reinforce that un until your baby comes along. And then while most dogs and, and kids are wonderful and all those things, because I see all the bad stuff, I would say never leave a baby or even a, a young toddler alone with a pet. Uh, it's just because there's there's just possible dangers. And so you want it to be a, a wonderful thing, not a bad thing. And so you try to avoid the bad things. It's just like you don't leave your kid in the swimming pool by themselves without an adult supervision. Same kind of thing is there should be, um, you should always have them uh, on a leash and a crate, something uh, un until they get old enough that, that you understand that it's not a real danger. Um, so you want to give the dog advanced training. Uh, a lot of people even try to do things like they'll go ahead and set the nursery up and let the dog go in and sniff it or the cats go in and sniff it and kind of get used to the weird smells and sounds and play the mobiles and all the things. And then once they get kind of calmed down with all that, then you might even, uh, some people talk about uh, wrapping a uh, blanket around the baby in the first day of the hospital and bringing it and letting the dog sniff it even before you come home and all kinds of things like that. And the dog may have to have its own separate room where you shut the door at the first because you're going to be overwhelmed with a new baby. And so, uh, you know, our cats, it was kind of funny when our first, we brought our first child home, one of them went promptly into the into the closet and peed in your shoe. Yep. Um, she'd never done that before or since, but she wants you to know I am not happy about this, this is, new child. This is my opinion. Wow. I'm stating it clearly. Yes, I know. And, and uh, that's one of the ways cats especially communicate their displeasure is through peeing or pooping. And so she did that. And so we immediately, especially me, uh, I started paying more attention to the cat. I gave the cat lots of extra attention when I was able, uh, when I didn't have baby duties. And then, um, and then when we brought our second child home, she promptly went and pooped underneath the the uh, crib. crib one time wow. to let you know Clear. I'm not I'm not happy about this either <laughs> and then it never happened again yeah. uh, but because we again said okay we understand we're gonna we still love you uh, you're still our firstborn <laughs> whatever <laughs> and uh, and so animals are very sensitive to all those things and so the more you can prepare them the more you can desensitize them to strange sounds and smells and all those things uh, the better and they can develop a wonderful relationship with your child but you Always go slow. If in doubt, go slower. Uh, you know, always have the dog on a leash. Uh, always make it where it's a safe thing. Uh, so babies, I mean, they cry. And I've heard, is that like triggering some sense of, it can. of prey and it predator? Can. And so you have to be very careful with that and get them used to that. Some people even play tapes of babies crying until the dog or cat is desensitized to it before the baby comes home. Wow, wow, that's smart. Yeah. And uh, and so you just have to be careful. Again, most dogs and most cats are going to adapt fine, but we don't want any of those bad stories uh, where they hurt the child or anything like that. So it's just not, human health is not worth it. I just always say, um, and if there's any kind of aggression, you immediately need to get serious and, and go work with a good trainer or a behaviorist or somebody um, to tr see if you can't work this problem out and occasionally I, I again i see all the bad stuff but occasionally you do have to rehome the pet 
but you, nobody wants that uh, because it's a part of your family too. And so the more things you can do to prepare ahead of time, and I was going to mention one website because it has so many good vet-approved articles. It's called PetPlace.com. Thousands and thousands of articles on almost every aspect of pets, including this subject. Is There's uh, lots of articles on how to bring the baby home and what uh, how to train the dog and all those things. And then also lots of things on medical conditions if they get diagnosed with something. And so it's a good resource to start with. It's just got some basic articles you can read and kind of get your brain wrapped around, okay, what are, what's our plan going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess I have to ask this question too. We get a lot of... Um, pull on our heartstrings from our children who are just, you know, can we please just have the puppy? It's all I want in life. And you give in, but your heart's not really in it. So how important is it for everyone in the family to be on board? Like, is it okay to sort of grudging? Will you grow to love the animal if you say yes to your kids? Please. I didn't. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think it's, it doesn't always happen. Yeah. I didn't either all the time. I've seen it both ways. I've seen it where it really causes a problem their whole life. And there's always this battle between the husband and the wife or between the parents and the kids or whatever. Uh, and so it doesn't always go away. But I've also had a lot of clients who say, yeah, it's the best thing I ever did. I wasn't sure I really wanted this, but we got it. And now it's my best friend. And so sometimes life's kind of a crapshoot. You know, it's <laughs> like <laughs> you don't know. But I think sometimes if someone's really saying no, I think you need to respect that. If there's a strong, hard, I am not ready for this, I do not want this, then I think that's uh, just like so many things in life. When you're not on the same page, you, t- you back off, you take time for prayer, reconsideration, and there may t- come a time when it is appropriate and that person does say, okay. And they might not love it as much as you do, but they it might be they might be open. But I think everyone needs to be at least open. And if someone is really closed, then I'd say, maybe this is not the time for a pet for you. Because it's a big commitment. It's a big thing. Uh, and you, I think people do need to at least say, okay, not my favorite thing, but I am willing to deal with it. I think I didn't count the cost. Like I should have the things you've described in here. Moms, pay attention to him. He knows what he's talking about. Just really thinking, okay, what does this look like 10, 12, 15 years down the road? What is the financial cost going to be? Um, because I kind of felt like, oh, we don't have money to do training. I can just do it. But honestly, I needed to be trained to train. Yeah, if you don't know, you, I'm, sure. that would have been, we could have figured that out and that would have been money well spent and would have probably changed the trajectory. I tell so many people, I do this for a living and I advise other people on how to train their animals. But when I got a puppy, I hired a trainer. Michael Jordan has a coach. I need a coach. You probably need a coach too. It makes it so much faster and so much better to have somebody outside yourself who can see it and help you. And that's true of everything in life, really. But but this one's really important because it's going to be something that's in your life 24 hours a day. And just a little bit of training on the front end, a little bit of money spent on the front. So you might want to delay getting a puppy for another year so you can save up the money to get a good trainer. Uh, I mean, it's worth delaying for a little bit to save up the money to do that, I think. It's so, that's so true. Like, hey, I call Hazel my redemption dog. Like, all the sense. <laughs> of my past I'm getting to correct I really I mean I really am it's mm-hmm. really true that it, I just am seeing like how things could have been with the other dogs if we were if we had done what we what we did with her yeah and so just to to be aware and count the cost and listen to wisdom wisdom that is telling you even as a doctor yeah <laughs> of veterinary medicine get get a trainer yeah for count sure the cost I one thing I didn't think about too except now we are with our daughter is uh you know a pet is gonna if you're having to rent if you don't own a home and and you're having to rent and you don't have a yard or space or whatever they had a golden retriever puppy on the third floor of an apartment building which is not the funnest when you're house training and you have to go down three flights every single time um and it ups your pet fees or a lot of places don't accept pets or and they had to go look for a house that had a yard so you can't just buy the cheapest house or or the most convenient house you have to find one that has a yard that's big enough right so it might change your like entire housing situation if you're thinking of you know getting a dog in particular to do that or renting anywhere a lot not everyone does that and now every time they go out of town what are we going to do with the dog there's a question about that so it does change your whole lifestyle it does. I mean, the houses that we had that had a fence in the backyard when we had our dogs, that, that would made for a more pleasurable pet owning experience. They sure. could get out and run and play. The kids could get out and run and play in a safe 
enclosed area mm-hmm. instead of just like always on a leash. My schnauzers never once walked on a leash. They looked at me like, I, we are not doing this. <laughs> and they, I would like drag them down the driveway. Like they were dug their paws in. Uh-huh. And so there was no playing unless it was like, you know, in an enclosed area. So yeah, even a fenced in yard that can make all the difference in the world. Right. Which is expensive. It's just an expense if you don't already have a fence. That's right. right. That's right. So, all right. Well, do you have any final thoughts on kids and pets? What they need to know? I know you're pro pro pet, right? Oh, I am. I think it's, I think it's worth the effort. Uh, it is a lot of effort, but life's about that. You know, it, it's one of the things that makes life worth living. And honestly, pets enrich lives in so many ways that even though we've talked about some of the hard things and some of the things that can go wrong and all those things, you need to know those and count the costs, but don't let that keep you. If you really want it, then just jump in and, and make it work. And you can, as long as you're willing and you're willing to, to do what's required. But uh, we do a lot of things in life, including having kids that we don't really understand the cost of before Amen. we do it. And so I think pets in some ways are the same way. You will grow to be a, a better and more responsible person yourself, no matter what age you are when you get a pet, and that's okay. Uh, but I think the rewards outweigh the uh, cost in most cases. Uh, but, but you know, uh, when you get a problem, don't be afraid to ask for help because you're going to run into sometimes some unexpected things. So so find wise people and wise counsel and, and professional people sometimes to get help help from and a lot of times you can work through probably 95 to 99 percent of the problems have you i just uh, an ending question what's the weirdest pet you've had someone have um i've had people have african wild servals uh which is a big cat looks like it's about three times the size of a a house cat that they keep in their house as a pet Uh, those are pretty interesting (laughs) um and uh, sugar gliders were all the rage back a few years ago, which is like a little tiny flying squirrel from Australia. Mm-hmm. And they're very unique. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then all manner of lizards and snakes and, and geckos and all kinds of things like that, which are interesting. They're just not fluffy and cuddly. I'm just thinking, like, oh, you're going to snuggle up with your lizard? You fell over <laughs> and you sm- squash it in the night. Like, how, how are you going to bond with that? <laughs> but some people do. Some people love them. So. That's funny. Non physical touch, love language people. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you, lizard, deep down in my spirit. (laughs) Yeah, you're not getting any oxytocin from a lizard. You're just not. Anyway, okay, no, come at me, pro iguana people. That's okay. (laughs) Right, that's right. Send us all your hate mail. Just ask your mom.com at gmail.com. <laughs> that's right. Oh, so all this information will be on our website, just ask your mom.com. And we are on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. Yeah, we'd love for you to rate and leave a review if you're listening and better yet, subscribe so you'll get each new Monday episode. And like Renee said, send us your topics, not your hate mail, at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.